When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Beyond the Fairways with PGA Tour professional Jay Delsing and hosted by four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Now, it's Beyond the Fairways. Welcome into Beyond the Fairways with Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. We're presented by Darty Business Solutions, and I cannot wait to visit with one of the great putters in the history of golf, and that is Brad Faxon coming up. I got the privilege of playing with Fax and watching him, and it's he truly makes putting an art. It is feel. You can see him go through his things. His routine is rock solid. It's special when he's got that club in his hand. I can't wait to ask him about working with Rory McIlroy because I would assume a lot of the PGA pros, the PGA Tour pros, are coming up to him and saying, hey, what's the key? How did you do this? And three different times he led the PGA Tour in putting average. Help me. What am I doing wrong? All those things that he probably has been approached about. Couldn't you imagine what it would be like to walk, walking around at a tour event, and he's doing his prep for TV, uh, working for NBC now, and have 15 guys that are playing on the PGA Tour right, right now from anywhere, you know, the top 10 all the way down to anybody, you know, in the top 125 ask you, can you help me with my putting? I mean, what a rush that's got to be. And Rory wasn't great. He wasn't no. great for a while. No. Now, he can pound the golf ball, as yep. we all know, but his putting really was uh, uh, an asset of his game that was not a strength, and now it has turned into a strength, and a lot of the credit probably goes to Brad Faxon. I want to know some of the statistics without, you know, I can look them up, but I want to talk to Fax a little bit about that because here's the deal with the tour players. You might have been a great putter, but if you if I come work with you and I still suck and stay down in, you know, in a top out, outside the top 100 – you're not going to get people to come back. And, and, and there's no way that, that Rory hasn't improved. And, you know, it's interesting. When Rory putts, he wins almost all the time. Absolutely, because he just pounds the golf ball. He's, what, 170, maybe 180 pounds. He's putting on a lot of weight since he first got onto the tour. I mean, he's absolutely cut. He's shredded. But it's amazing to watch him hit the golf ball. And if you add in the fact that Brad Faxon is helping him with his putting, that's a monster of a player. Yeah, you know, Danny, one of the things that would be awesome if we could ever get Rory on, he's not on our list right now, but it would be fun to... Well, he is on our list. We just got to get him. He doesn't know about our list. <laughs> but you know, it'd be, you know, this whole live stuff, Rory has risen to the, yeah. to the top, and he is... He's almost like a, a quote machine, you know, for the PGA Tour. And, really the and face of it right he now. He really is. And what's happened is it's affected him. We saw him coming into Augusta, and he was absolutely playing great golf and just wasn't even a factor. And so that's that's that mental side that just can whip your ass every once in a while. It just makes it hard. So I've, I root for Rory all the time. I've met him several times. He's a great kid, a great human being. I feel like this kid was born to hit a golf ball. Yeah. 
just beautiful to watch him swing. So Brad Faxon coming up. We'll get some maybe keys to putting, influences for him, drills that he can talk about. So we're going to ask him all about that. This is PGA Championship Week, so another major is upon us normally at least uh, in the past and historically you're talking in the hot months late months of august or you know those days that we, we're based out of st louis at bell reeve and it's blistering hot or no matter where you go in the midwest sometimes even up east where they're playing this week and and oak hill country club in rochester new york but the pga championship just generally speaking do you like it this early in the season i'm still kind of stuck danny to the old ways and i i enjoyed the PGA Championship being the last of the four majors. I will say this. It is fun to have the Masters in April and then go and, and not have to wait till Father's Day for the U.S. Open. You know, so you do have one in there. But, man, after the British Open, I miss not having any more majors. You know, it. so the major season ends in the middle of July, and I'm still just not accustomed to it. But major championship golf is a different animal, and it's really going to be fun to talk about that a little bit with you. So you know the pressure is there. Because it's a major, and it's something that'll last a lifetime. Not to say that other tournaments don't, but you win a major, it's different. Why do you think it is so different for the players on tour? Not for the fans, but for the guys on tour. It's historical in, in a perspective that if you win this championship, you go down as a major championship winner, and there are not that many of those folks around. There's that component. The other component, Danny, is that if you win a major championship, you have conquered one of the all-time great golf courses in our country. And Oak Hill in Rochester is that. And they've made some changes to it. And it was a beast before they made these changes to it. And so it's uh, it's hosted a Ryder Cup, really famous Ryder Cup, I think, where Curtis Strange came down to one of the last holes with his match with Nick Faldo and it kind of fell on his face and stung for the red, white, and blue. And so this golf course and venue has tons and tons of history. I think the last time the PGA Championship was there, Jason Duffner won, and I think he, he was the only man in the field to get to 10 under par. So this golf course really, really can withstand the modern game. So if you're watching, what is the, the key to trying to conquer this golf course? What should you be watching if you're a fan at home? To me, this goes down as a real ball hitters sort of golf course. It's it's demanding off the tee. It's demanding some of the second shots. I'm not completely plugged into some of the changes that they made. I know the old golf course well. It's a beast. It's relentless. You know, you'll go to some golf courses that are tricky Danny and have a you know some quirkiness this thing is right in front of you and it's tough there's water I tell people this all the all the time the most difficult hole to play golf on is a long straight hole that says here I am big boy just go ahead and hit me straight and get me on this small green and try to knock a putt in it and the golf course will win again this week in my opinion this is beyond the fairways presented by Doherty Business Solutions and we're going to have our picks of the PGA Championship later in the show tip segment because we're talking putting with Brad Faxon so we're going to talk about the tips that maybe a guy like Jay Delsing used over the years and still does innovations in golf We'll talk about the putters and a reminder that David Faraday, Tom Watson, Lee Trevino, Andy North have all been a part of the podcast. You can go back and listen to those. It's Beyond the Fairways with an S presented by Darty Business Solutions. Coming up, we'll visit with one of the great putters, eight-time winner on the PGA Tour, and that's Brad Faxon. He's next on Beyond the Fairways. 
Dirty Business Solutions, our title sponsor, is a leader in our community in so many areas. Do they have over 2,500 teammates in over 30 states and three countries? Yes, they do. Are they the largest IT consultant firm in our area? Yes, they are. Are they the largest software developer in the region? Yes, they are. But here are a few more important things to know about Darty Business Solutions. They were the presenting sponsor of the Ascension Charity Classic. This is a community game changer. First of all, it builds diversity in the IT workforce. Hundreds of mostly African-American women are getting fifty dollars to $60,000 a year jobs right out of high school. That's right, right out of high school. Ron Darty, company founder, chaired the 2023 Heartball, which supported the local American Heart Association chapters and raised over $600,000 in one evening. These are just a few examples of the many things that Darty Business Solutions do for our community. Darty Business Solutions. It's time for the Beyond the Fairways Player Profile. Let's get back to Jay and Dan. Beyond the Fairways rolls on as we're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Jay Delsing, Dan McLaughlin, it is our pleasure to welcome in eight-time winner on the PGA Tour and Jay Bird, truly one of the great putters in the history of golf, and that is Brad Faxon. No, absolutely. Not only a great putter, but a great human being. Fax, thanks so much for joining us this morning. I know we've been trying to do this for a long time, Jay. It's great to be on with you finally and uh, with a contemporary that maybe we think a lot alike in different ways and lots of daughters. So many people know you as being an eight-time winner on the PGA Tour, but also as one of the best putters the game has seen. How did you become such a great putter on the PGA Tour? You know, everybody says to me, you know, after I've played for a long time, oh, you, you were lucky, you were a good putter. And, and it really offends me, that phrase or that term of being lucky. I grew up in Rhode Island, where I am now, and, and was a, a caddy as a youngster at this Rhode Island Country Club, which was a, a cool course that had lots of movement, an old Donald Ross-styled course. Um, and I, as a caddy, I, I was reading greens for members at 12, 13, 14 years old. And, you know, I think the best players in the world, the best putters in the world in particular, but this stuff kind of happens organically. You know, I wasn't taught to putt, I learned to putt. And I think there's a big difference there. Specifically, remember watching the putts of these members and, and seeing the dew line the ball made uh, the early Saturday and Sunday morning rounds. I visualized that all the time and seeing how much the ball broke, particularly at the end as it lost its speeds. You know, that was one way to do it. And I was, you know, not a, a kid that was given lessons. I was out on the golf course with, with my buddies and um, always playing golf. You know, we had that rule that we used to have that you came home and the street lights are on. It was a great way to, to learn to play the game. We had Curtis Strange on the show a couple of weeks ago, Andy North, and, and even Tom Watson. And there's this common thread, because I know you and I grew up so much the same way, playing all these other sports, and so did they. And it's interesting how, you know, Hogan coined the phrase, dig it out of the dirt, but we did that, didn't really even know it. It was just like, we'd just do whatever we could do to kind of compete and have fun. When you spend your time outside, things kind of evolve. Isn't it funny? You know, if, if you looked at so many of the great players, they, they all did play different sports. They didn't play different sports, so they would become 
better human beings or they would become more well-rounded or better golfers. They did it because they liked sport. You know, I, I was a, a guy that played a lot of different racket sports. I played squash. I played table tennis. You know, I played hockey and baseball like a lot of kids up here would have. Some of those little sports turned into be great eye-hand coordinations. They help with short game, uh, learning club face control particularly table tennis. And uh, you think about some of our great players today that were great short game players. And, you know, you talk about the Ryder Cup room and the table tennis, and you, you know, Phil Mickelson, Zach Johnson, Matt Kuchar, was great tennis player, even Tiger. And, and I think there's something to that. And, and now maybe, I don't know if this is disappointing or just the way things change or changing. You see all these young kids now, they specialize so early and, and they don't get enough of this skill development, and I like to call it, early on. When I think about you and putting, and we played, gosh, hundreds of rounds together and had so much fun playing. I, I can never remember a bad time when we were together. And and I sit there and think of watching Michael Jordan shoot a free throw or some of the greats do anything, Albert Pujols or, or even Stan Musial. There's a common thread, Fax, and these guys are relaxed. I see so many guys that don't putt well look like they're so uptight. If you listen to most of the great putters of all time and you go back and listen to someone like Ray Floyd, you know, they talked about being comfortable at address. Crenshaw, comfortable at address. Crenshaw in particular said he never tried to stay dead still, uh, where I think sometimes when you try and be still, it can tighten you up. So many of the great putters were, like you said, not only comfortable or relaxed, but they weren't overridden with swing thoughts. I, I, I think that, I don't know if this is the never-ending fault I see, but it looks like so many players are today, it looks like they're trying to read an instruction manual on how to do this. And, and I I certainly don't think there's any instruction manual on how to tell you to be great at this. Uh, I have a, a woman that has a son that wanted to come for lessons, and she goes, I want my son to spend two weeks with you in intensive putting training. And, and just that note got me scared. I go, what is that? <laughs> when you decided to, to make this a profession, and Jay mentioned earlier the great guests we've had on, they've all said, if I could do it differently, I would spend – maybe 90% after my round on the putting green and 10% hitting balls after my round. Were you one of those guys that spent more time on your short game, your putting after a round, or were you one of those players that went and pounded balls after your round was done? Jay and I have talked about this. We're, we're the only sport um, that practices uh, on a field that's different on the, than the field of play. I, I wasn't a guy that practiced too much. Now, this is going to sound terrible. I didn't practice putting much when I was at tournaments. Mm. When I I was I think you have to figure out like a great gambler has to feel out feel it out when they're at the casino are they comfortable leaving the table you know when you get up enough do you, do you keep going forward or can you walk away and I think for the best players in the world and I've talked to Rory McIlroy about this are you comfortable leaving the driving range you know do you, or are you always trying to figure something out and that's when I think when players get in trouble and when you're always trying to solve the riddle I think you're never complacent you're you're always trying to search and that search mode's not it can be a very dangerous thing at times you mentioned Ben Crenshaw was he one of your your biggest influences in terms of learning how to putt because of the things that he talked about with you. Did you apply that? And was he one of your, your big influences in that regard of the game? He was a huge influence. And I'll tell you how in, in the late eighties, he had already won his first masters. I was at the, the Disney world tournament. We played two courses back then, the Magnolia and the Palm. 
and it was a Tuesday afternoon. A friend of mine who was an instructor, Jay, you'd remember the name Gary Smith, an English guy used to work for Ledbetter, worked for ABC Sports as well. He had a video camera and desperately wanted to get Crenshaw's stroke on video. And, and Crenshaw happened to be on the putting green on the Palm course. And I'm like, oh boy. So he asked me to go up and ask Crenshaw if he could get videoed. And Ben was nice as he could be and, and um, said, sure, come on, get after it. And then Ben admitted to both of us unbelievably that he wasn't putting that well. And I go, what? Because I, I, I wouldn't have thought that, first of all, that he would ever not be putting great or that he would admit it to us through. He said, look, I'm putting at it too much, not through it. And, you know, that was kind of like hard to decipher. What exactly does that mean? He said, and I said, what do you do when you feel like that? He goes, well, I try to like let my backstroke be longer than my follow through, which was kind of opposite of what we had always heard. And then he goes, I try to allow or let my head and my knees move when I putt. And then I think Gary Smith dropped the camera at the time. <laughs> and, you know, and and I'm saying, allow. I said, so you don't worry about it. He said, no, he said, the putting stroke's a mini swing. It's like a little tiny chip shot. There's not a lot of movement, but I don't ever try and freeze myself. And that just, I, from, I, have, I have some detailed statistics um, from when I was, you know, first starting the tour. And back then they were a little rudimentary. They were, you know, just putts per green in regulation or putts per round. But after that conversation with Crenshaw, and I think I'm pinpointing it for 1988, I believe. And my stats were, I was kind of an average, maybe slightly better than average putter. And from almost that moment on, well, I hate to say sound like I never finished out of the top 20 in my career for another 20 years after hearing that. Jaybird, three times he led the PGA Tour in putting average. So pretty oh, good yeah. putter oh, right the, now. The, absolutely. And you know what's interesting, facts? The PGA Tour's got some, some places that can be real pitfalls for certain personality types. I know that if I hung out on the range too long or on the putting green too long, it didn't do me any good. And when I got myself out on the golf course, I was much better off. I was more kind of in the creative mode. I liked putting balls in the left rough and seeing if I could hook something around a tree and things like that. What do you think about that? I love that. I, I would say that I was always a player that was much better on the course than on the range. Even the week of the Masters, I would love to go out. and I, I'd be happier playing 18 or 27 holes a day than to just sit on the range and just beat balls and think about my golf swing. Um, I thought it was much easier to be more creative on the golf course to see the shots you would see in the tournaments. And, and that was really good for me. When, when I started looking at swings on video, uh, that was a warning sign or a danger sign, uh, especially. You know, I, I wouldn't say that my way was the right way. Or it wasn't the right way for Justin Rose or maybe a Victor Hovland. I, I can see lots of players doing a different style, but you have to find your way and you have to be happy with your way. So were there times though, Brad, that you had drills that you said, I'm going to do this every day there. And you mentioned being on the course is maybe being the best way to do this, to get creative, but there's always drills that you hear about, especially from the pros were there drills that you were specific with. And you said, I've got to do this daily as part of my routine. You know, I, I don't even like to use the word, I hate to say this, I, I don't like to use the word drills. Just the, the connotation of the word drill is something that makes me feel like I'm in a dentist's chair typing <laughs> up. And, you know, you know I, I kind of like uh, games or exercises. I, I don't know, you know, I did things early on, like hit 100 putts in a row from three feet or four feet. I, it seems like nobody does that anymore. They, they have all kinds of different gadgets out there that are trying to work with them. The importance of start line becomes critical to so many of them. And we didn't have any of those devices or gadgets. We, you know, we got very 
early on, we started maybe seeing chalk lines or little kind of boards that you could put the heel of your putter on. I think most of the stuff was really learning to do stuff on your own. And, and your, your question is, there's stuff that I had to do every day. I would say that that what I did the most consistently throughout my career was, you know, I would end my warm up on the on the practice green by trying to hit some putts from around the hole, you know, the three or four foot or right to left, left, right, up or downhill, right, hit hit those and really go through my full routine, lining up the putt, the ball down the way I like to see it on the course, you know, taking my practice stroke and going through that whole process. If I could do that, I knew that when I first got out on the course, it wouldn't be the first time I felt that that day. If you get to the point where you're comfortable enough you could hit those four putts before you go to the first tee and make one or two or three of them and still be happy and confident when you got to the, the range. And if I was going to really, I mean, I'm sorry, to the course, if I left the course, that was the, the feeling I wanted to leave is that my routine felt good. Nothing else was more important than that. I'd call it a rhythm that I like to feel as I, I left the course. And it, it didn't change much for a long period of time. I would add to that as a player, you would know sometimes when you got, and you know, we both used a lot of help from Bob Rotella, that when your head got in that right spot, your mechanics could improve without trying to improve your mechanics. Brad and Jay, if you can hold on for just a moment, during the prime season, I want to tell our listeners about a great meal plan. You need wholesome, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, more active days, keep you on track reaching your goals. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up with fast, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You're going to save time, eat well, tackle everything to do on that list. Too busy to cook this May? With Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store, skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up that warmer weather. Looking for calorie-conscious options ahead of the summer? Try delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving need an extra boost of energy to support your wellness goals this spring try protein plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving factor offers delicious flavor-packed options on the menu each week and that fits a variety of lifestyles with 34-plus chef-prepared, dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Want to budget this month by cutting back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions to your door, source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in our meals. Head to factormeals.com BTF50. Use the code BTF50, 50% off your first box. That's code BTF50 at factormeals.com slash BTF50 and get 50% off your first box. To your point, Fax, when I played uh, basketball, I couldn't wait to get a feel for that game ball to get because it never felt the same. Once I get a little sweaty, once I get a little adrenaline, I felt like I putted my best and I watched you putt a lot and tried to emulate a lot of what you did is I felt like there was this rhythm almost likened to you and I on a basketball court and you're shooting and going around the key. I'm retrieving the balls for you. And I one bounce, you kind of step into that shot and let the ball go. And that's 
kind of how I felt when I putted my best. I love the similarity in certain parts of certain sports with what I like to feel like and what you're describing on the putting green. If you could keep it instinctual, athletic, like a free throw shot or like getting a, a pass off the pick, you know, a good tennis serve was similar to that where you had to start the ball in motion and start yourself from being still, you know, golf, you're not reacting to something moving as you could get, if you could get better as if the ball were moving, how would you feel? And, and a lot of times I felt like my backstroke was already started and I don't know how it started. Putter had already moved before I knew what, what had happened. Brad, is there a guy and you're a commentator? So we hear you all the time. Is there a guy that you watch now and you say, Ooh, I'm going to watch that guy. He's a hell of a putter. I, I just love the way he goes about it. Is there somebody out there that you like to watch? You know, when you define the greatest putters or great putters, you know, they have to make a lot of putts, of course. That's obvious. But they, they have to do it, I would say, consistently over a period of time, not just one year. You know, I, I would have said Jordan Spieth and Jason Day were fantastic putters 2015, 2016. We, we never saw players make putts like they did. And, and the guy that seems to be showing up the most is this guy, Danny McCarthy. And you watch him and he looks free. He looks athletic, doesn't look scared. When you're watching a player, the, the true mark to me is when you see somebody when they're, when they're not putting their best or playing their best, but they're still, they still have their composure together. And, you know, I've spent the last five years talking about and working with Rory McIlroy. He had finished outside, unbelievably finished outside of the top 115 putting three consecutive years and last year he finished 16th. And if, if you have the ability to hit it like Rory does and finish top 16 putting, nobody else has a chance. The part of the game around the greens, on the greens, the real artistry part, it's hard to find that player that has that mix, isn't it? That can can understand the hitting flaws and, and the, 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 the challenges of not being able to hit it all that great, but still shoot a score. It's kind of lost out there it really is you know there's another young kid young player really um named taylor montgomery who's hitting his stride this year in particular it's funny you know you can look at his stats and see how good they are and one thing that's hard to do is if you just looked at a person's putting stroke and predict whether they're going to be great putters or not you know i would say for myself you know as i started to improve as a putter it's not like my stroke changed a lot you know kind of an indicator to me it's 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 really the technique isn't as important as the mindset the preparation the situational preparation and the attitude players could have you know how would you say when you look at jack nicholas's and the way he set up to the ball how crouched over he was bent over he was had him so far behind the ball you know it's something that wasn't a style that anybody copied or would copy and even crenshaw he was the opposite he was a little taller he was leaned way to the left. His shoulders were open. His eyes pointed to the right. His hands were way forward at his dress. It's not like those are copyable styles, but what they did worked for them. I, I just I love that about our sport so much, in particularly putting and, and trying to get that through to anybody that I talk to about the game, that you have to be satisfied yourself, not for somebody else. And that's that's a big trick at times. Brad, you mentioned visiting and and working with Rory McIlroy for three years. I can't imagine what it's like to be Brad Faxon around the tour these days and somebody probably daily coming up to you and saying, will you please, 
please help me with my putting. Please come to St. Louis fast. Please come. <laughs> I'm assuming that happens all the time. Well, that, it's a real compliment when it does. I, I've had a lot of nice phone calls. You know, you know, when I got that call from Rory five years ago, I got nervous. You know, I mean, here's one of the best players in the world. I don't want to mess this guy up. You know, because of that, it's got me some popularity. You know, it's because he's improved, not because I'm a great instructor. He got better. I think a lot of times the teachers get too much credit and too much blame. I don't really travel out on tour. I, I don't think I have time to be the full-time putting instructor. But, you know, when you're talking to friends like you guys or, or to other players that are really trying to achieve at the highest level, it's, it's a real high uh, talking to other people about it. Hey, Brad and Jay, if you can hold on for just a moment, want to tell our listeners about FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs that are taking place right now. And later in our show, we're going to give the picks for the PGA Championship this weekend. You can do that with FanDuel because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Again, new customers no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't even win. So it's great promotions every day at FanDuel. Safe and secure app, FanDuel. You're going to get paid instantly when you win with FanDuel. There is no better place to bet all the playoff action of the NBA than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash btf for beyond the fairways fanduel.com slash btf get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's fanduel.com slash btf fanduel official sports betting partner of the nba must be 21 and older in select states first online real money wager only ten dollar deposit required refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days restrictions apply see full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER we would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit while we have you on the show and again thanks for joining us about the great charitable work that you've done the cvs charity classic with tom ryan and and, and Billy, and just some of the other things. Talk to us a little bit about all the great work. I know you have your own Junior Golf Foundation and some other things like that. It seems like, you know, every player, once they get out on the tour, they see each week what the tour does for the different charities and the communities where the events are played. These guys are good. You know, our slogans have been fantastic. The, the billions of dollars that have been raised. And I think it helps, Jay, when you grow up in a small place like Rhode Island, small towns like Andre and I did. You know, I'm in Barrington, Billy's in Bristol, 10 minutes apart. When we started, and it's funny you're asking me that now, it's about the 25th anniversary of, um, well, it's more than that now. It's, sorry, it's, it's the 30th anniversary of the Android Facts and Charities for Children. We started doing a, a golf tournament for the Meeting Street School, which is a school Billy's brother had gone for underprivileged kids. We kept that going for a long, long time. We've raised close to $10 million. We're having a big event this summer in, in July here at, at Billy's home for, you know, past owners and many of the celebrities that we've had playing our tournament. And in the middle of our great run, that's when CVS Pharmacy and Tom Ryan, you mentioned him, who was the CEO of the, the company for so long. We kind of mimicked Peter Jacobson's event, the Fred Meyer Challenge out in Portland, Oregon, and, and started one here. And that went crazy for 20 plus years until COVID came along. We raised over, you know, very close to $25 million for all different kinds of charities in our state. So I hate to say, you know, we, we never really brag about it, but I mean, it's really been something remarkable we've been able to put together. And I, I, I think this game of golf is really the only sport in the world that seems to be able to put 
these athletes together, these celebrities together, the successful businessmen around. Everybody, it seems like, that has any kind of a heart wants to help out the needy. Uh, and we, in particular, went after children's charities here. I mean, it's hard to drive down the street here and not see some place or something that we, we haven't had an impact to. And I think when you here in your final days, you know, you look at maybe all the great places you've gone or trophies you've won playing golf. But at the end of the day, the other things mean so much more, don't they? We've known each other forever. And to think about how fortunate we are and how this game that we both love and had no idea it was going to be such a charitable powerhouse. I mean, you talk about the PGA Tour raising billions of dollars, the work that you've done in Rhode Island and and in Florida and other places, tens of millions of dollars. And it didn't have to go this way. I mean, I had no idea when we got our cards. I think you got yours in 83. I think I got mine in 84 and had no idea that we'll be sitting here talking to one another too many years past thinking, look at some of the cool stuff that's happened. I, I think the great thing is we didn't really try to plan any of that, Jay, did we? I mean, it just kind of happened. You travel this journey and, you know, you meet a, a successful businessman. You have, we got lucky that CVS was one of the top 10 fortune companies and just happens to be in Rhode Island. It was an avenue to raise money, to, to have fun, really. It was a good way for them to continue to do business with the, the suppliers at CVS. It was just something we never really, I don't know, we didn't, I don't know, we probably dreamed of it, but we never put a timeline on how long that might last. And I think anybody else would have done the same thing. Brad, do you enjoy the uh, the commentary? Is that something that obviously keeps your hand in the game along with helping Rory McIlroy? But is uh, the commentary something that you enjoy as well? I have actually loved it a lot of different ways. You know, I, like Jay, played for so long on the tour, you know, 25 or 30 years of traveling around, you know, trying to raise daughters, um, and I, I had gotten to the point where I, I just, I played a few years on the Champions Tour and said, I don't know if I want to play 25 weeks. It seemed to be the same guys out there that <laughs> already beat me all the time anywhere. You guys that were more, motiv- more motivated. And I, I think this was a different avenue to go. And this year, having this combination of doing some work for NBC and Golf Channel and Sky Sports, uh, some as an announcer, some as an analyst, was just the right amount of work. Uh, it balances out with the amount of teaching that I'm doing, the very little bit of playing that I'm still doing, and you know the other charitable work, family stuff. It's really rewarding. You know what I what I remember facts when we were together at the Fox Golf Team was how hard you worked at getting next to the players, trying to just get a little bit of a tidbit here, a this, that, here, there, when, you know, these guys get into to competition and they get near the lead or something, and you, you'll be able to draw on that, and that comes through and the stuff you do. And I think it really lends a lot to the broadcast. I, I think, you know, everybody has a, a perspective that they can bring to the viewer. Um, I learned early on at NBC my first year in 2010 that Tommy Roy, our very emotional and extremely uh, talented producer, don't don't say anything on TV that's <laughs> obvious to the viewer, you know. And it's so easy to just, hey, there's the shot, there's where it landed, and there's where it stopped, which you know the TV shows so well. And I think a lot of times you have to find, you know, talk to players, you know, what they're thinking, what their swings look like. I, I think one of the the added benefits to being around Rory is not only being around with the greatest guys in the world, uh, but one of the most talented players is. 
I think there's a, a, some respect from other top players. You know, a lot of times when you're in the media and, you know, you walk out in the range, players are just running away from the media <laughs> guys. Like, I don't want to talk to him. And, and I, I don't think I threaten those guys. Maybe that's something that's been a benefit from being with Rory. That, that's been a good thing. I played with Rory last week and he yeah, drives me by 80 yards. It's, it's, it's nothing I've ever seen. You know, and I, and I think I'm I'm not one of these guys that the trees were bigger back when I played with the game <laughs> ruled, games ruined. I think it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And, um, I, I still like being out there and, and learning every single day, and that's what gets me out of bed. When I had Rory at Oakmont, I'd never seen anything like it. Honestly, facts, I thought he was skying his driver. His driver launches at at least 15 degrees, probably a little more now. And it's, it, in my opinion, he's the model driver as well as DJ can drive the ball and, and annihilate a golf course. Rory just seems to have that much more control. But I've never seen a ball flight like that, Fax, ever. No, it's funny you say that because I was playing with a couple of my buddies with Rory out at the Grove, you know, where he plays Michael Jordan's cool course. We watched him on the second hole. It's a it's a 379-yard par four. There's no wind. And, and we watched this tee shot go up in the air. You almost lose sight of it. It goes up it, it's higher than any window you'd ever imagine. You know, we hit our shots and you look 60 yards up there, 70 yards up there. And his ball was eight feet behind the pin. Wow. <laughs> he tapped it in for, for a two. And, you know, I have a... 78 yard sand wedge coming in after a nice drive and i'm like what is going on it's just amazing and you know he's been he's a freak off the tee you know he's five nine or ten he weighs 170 maybe a little bit more than that um, but he's always had speed even when he weighed 150 pounds and, and some of that you're blessed to have some of it you improve upon having great technique you know when i played i looked at ways when I could get on a tee that I didn't have to hit a driver. He's got the driver, the head cover off when he's on the hole before. In fact, the drive he hit at I think it was this year down in, in, in um, down in Texas for the match play. He drove it four feet from the hole on the 18th Austin Country Club. It was a pivotal hole in the match. Obviously, we get to the 18th hole in the match play. And, and what was so cool for me is I was doing the broadcast that day with I was calling that tee shot and it was um I was with Steve Sands, and and when he hit the tee shot, you saw the tracer, and the tracer's a great innovation for golf broadcasting and viewers. And when that ball took off, it, you know, you you could see the flight and see it right online from having watched, and it flew 350 yards. In the front of the green was 349. It landed a yard on the green, and then he, it was like he was playing the break as it, as it came up onto that second tier. Rory's really become, in many ways, the face of the PGA Tour and been vocal about the benefits of the PGA Tour. And I think, Brad, we'd be remiss if, if we didn't ask you about LIV and, and some of these guys jumping. And you're obviously intimately, intimately involved with the PGA Tour. So what are your thoughts about these guys going to LIV? He has had a burden on his shoulders that I hope that other players other top players. And, and I think they will, you know, Justin Thomas has been very vocal. Um, I hope, I uh, hope that John Rahm steps up Scotty Scheffler so that Rory doesn't have to be the only one doing this. I mean, the PGA tours response to this live golf tour has, has been remarkable. What what the tours put together so quickly for these players. And you, you see these leaderboards at these elevated events is, it's nothing like we've ever seen before, except for major championships. And, and I, I think, if there was some way we could start this all over again, I would I would hope that the Saudis 
would have said, hey, look, we have a lot of money. We want to get involved in the game. But it always seemed to me that it wanted to be more of a, a hostile takeover. It didn't seem that they were trying to work friendly with us. And, you know, I, I would say if you went back to Greg Norman's idea back in the early 90s at the Shark Shootout, I believe it was 1994, you know, he, he had an idea to try and do some of these events, uh, seven of them. I was in the room there and Arnold was there. Jack was there. Nick Price's best friend was there. And I'll never forget that day and how none of the players wanted to do it unless it had the blessing of Tim Fincham, the new commissioner at the PGA Tour. And, um, you know, Greg kind of walked away. And the next morning, the paper said, Norman announces world golf idea and players unanimously agree. And I'm like, unanimously? They unanimously disagreed. And I think he's had this vendetta against the tour for a long time. You know, he found this back. And, and, and some of the players that are on the live tour have said to some friends of mine uh, that they play with that they're not sure whether there's going to be no live golf next year or if they're going to triple down and put another billion dollars into it. So it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. So appreciate your time. So appreciate the insights. Love listening to you. Love having you on the show, man. Best of luck in Rhode Island. I know there's some heavy life stuff going on but but hang in there appreciate you joining us today you guys that's too quick too easy um hopefully we can do it again a little bit later in the season it's the breakdown there it is a win for the ages that is better than most better than most maybe yes sir here it is the return to glory on beyond the fairways Boy, that was a lot of fun and great insight into putting, which is something that everybody is trying to improve upon every single day. How do I get better as a putter? So let's talk about the interview, Jaybird. What did you think of uh, Brad Faxon? Well, first of all, he's really fun to to just hang, hang out with. He's a smart guy. He cares deeply. He's really prepped. As someone who's spent your life behind a microphone, you know how hard that is and how important it is and how it, it shows. And so Fax is really doing that. But what he said to me, it mattered less about what my stroke looked like and more about what my attitude and my mind was like. Yes. That just blew me up. It really did. And he said he hates the idea of being lucky. And he talked about how he prepares. And he talked about there are some drills that he likes to do, but it mostly came down to attitude and not everybody is the same. That was the other thing, too. You know, he, he talked about how Nicholas was hunched over. Crenshaw, kind of the opposite. And then he took a little bit of both and, and made it his own. So there really isn't the ideal putter, I guess, is what he was trying to say. If you look back at the history of the game and the greats, the Hall of Famers, let's just talk about that select few, Danny. There's all sorts of different putting strokes. You get guys that shut the putter on the way back. You get guys that open it on the way back. But, I mean, they're craftsmen, right? And they're little kids that grew up putting this way, and they trust themselves. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is how much the greats trust in what they're doing. How about Rory going to Brad Faxon because he's on tour. Brad is covering the tour with his television work, and Rory comes up and says, I need help. So he's in the, but what, like 150 range at the time that he gets him, and now he's in the top 20 in putting on the PGA Tour. Well, that tells me that Brad Faxon knows what the hell he's doing and can make an impact. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's game-changing stuff. I mean, we talked at the, at the before about what's Rory, 
you know, what those numbers are going to be like. And I mean, to take somebody that hits the ball like Rory does, he can get locked in with that putter. Wow. Look out. out. Look out. He's going to dominate. I loved what he had to say about Ben Crenshaw, who we we talk about in, in great admiration of and his career and what he did at the Masters. But Crenshaw was the influence for Brad Faxon. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to play probably 50 rounds of golf with Ben, who was one of the you know, his nickname, Gentle Ben, is so appropriate and just such a gentleman, such a kind soul. If I said, can you help me with my putting, he would absolutely do That's that. That's great. And, you know, Danny, he was just so relaxed and so, it just looked like Ben knew he was going to make putts, you yeah. know? And again, it goes back to what Brad said, and it's got that in your, you've got that attitude and that mentality, and that's the most important part. Let's wrap it up with this. So he also got into Rory being the face of the PGA, Live Tour, kind of the going back and forth with this. I, I thought his comments on Live really stood out. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, when when he said that, I looked at you and I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. I mean, this thing could end at any time. And Rory has stepped up to your point and become the face of the PGA Tour. Now the Tiger is, you know, I hate even to say it, but all these injuries and everything, it's just sidelined him and put sure. him off to Side-lined the side. Sideline is the best way to put it. Yeah, and, and hopefully, you know, we still get to see Tiger from time to time. But so Rory has taken that mantle on, and, and that's a big deal. And, and for, for, that, for him to talk about that information and the Saudis are kicking around whether they're going to spend another billion dollars to keep this carnival going on for another year is, I don't know what the hell to think about that. But how about that? The investment that they would have to make to keep this thing going. And then the question would be to advance the story. Let's say it does shut down. What does the PGA Tour do with Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson? I mean, these are players, Kepka, that I like to watch as a casual fan. I love golf. I want to see them play. Would they allow them back in? I think that's how you advance the story. You're not a casual fan, by the way. You're <laughs> avid. You are you are a rabid fan. But anyway, I don't know how that works. You yeah. know, every guest that we've had on the show, we've talked to about Liv, and they're all pretty much in the same camp. And I just don't see a pathway that makes any sense for them coming back because they've already taken this money. They probably already spent a good portion of this money. And then how do you let them back in when you've got guys like JT and Jordan Spieth and the list goes on and on. Scheffler, Rahm have have remained loyal to the tour and didn't take that money. I think what the general consensus has been is that these guys that we've asked, and these are Hall of Fame golfers, these are some of the biggest names in golf, and they say, fine, take the money, it's okay, but don't expect to come back to the PGA Tour. If you want to do that, okay, but don't expect open arms and say, well, you know what, your tour folded, your exhibition folded, and come on back. I I think that's going to be really interesting going forward. I do too, Danny. I don't know where it goes, but I, I can tell you one thing. Let's say Liv closes tomorrow. There is no way in hell these guys are playing for a couple of years. No way in hell. And you want to talk about buyer's remorse, Danny? If you don't have a tour to play. Where do you go? What do you do? They're going to sit there and watch, you know, the great memorial tournament that Jack hosts in, in Columbus, Ohio, and, and, and or the Players' Championship, and they'll only get to play the majors. I mean, boy. That's a big price to pay. We'll talk about our picks later in the show, and the Live guys do play in in the majors. Brooks Kepka has been awesome during the majors, so we'll see if he's got a chance this week. But my partner over here played, what, 30? How many years on tour? Too many, most people would say, but another 25 years or so, yeah. You were out there, I mean, trying, and you don't like the word grind, 
But yep. you were grinding. Out I was there. grinding, man. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. Yeah, it grinded me into a look like this now. So we're going to get into what you were doing with drills to help golfers with putting. And I really am fascinated with what you have to say. So that's coming up, our tip segment. We're talking putting this show. Our thanks to Brad Faxon. And this is Beyond the Fairways presented by Darty Business Solutions. Darty Business Solutions, our title sponsor, is a leader in our community in so many areas. Do they have over 2,500 teammates in over 30 states and three countries? Yes, they do. Are they the largest IT consultant firm in our area? Yes, they are. Are they the largest software developer in the region? Yes, they are. But here are a few more important things to know about Darty Business Solutions. They were the presenting sponsor of the Ascension Charity Classic. This is a community game changer. First of all, it builds diversity in the IT workforce. Hundreds of mostly African-American women are getting fifty dollars to $60,000 a year jobs right out of high school. That's right, right out of high school. Ron Darty, company founder, chaired the 2023 Heartball, which supported the local American Heart Association chapters and raised over $600,000 in one evening. These are just a few examples of the many things that Darty Business Solutions do for our community. Darty Business Solutions. Have you ever wanted tips from a PGA pro? It's the tips segment on Beyond the Fairways with PGA professional Jay Delsing and four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Tip segment earlier in the show, Brad Faxon talking putting, Jay Delsing now, who played in over 700 PGA Tour events, is talking putting. Let's start with your routine. Before you're, you're teeing off. What are you doing with your short game, but in particular with your putting? Danny, my first thing that I do every single day when I get to the golf course is I grab my putter. You know, there's little nuances that happen overnight, rain, all sorts of conditions that can change. The superintendents, they're not uh, beyond messing with you a little bit, you know, cutting them a little tighter and things like that, especially back in the day. That's the first thing I did, and I would put, I start putting long putts. I start with putting so long putts. you start with long ones. Absolutely, to just try to get a sense for the speed. And here's the deal, guys. Get that putter in your hand, drop a couple balls, putt, and watch them. Watch them roll and relate to how hard you hit that putt. It, it all gets connected. You don't have to think about anything. It just connects itself. And so I'll go around and go around the putting green, and I'll hit more long putts than short putts initially and just go through. I have a pre-shot routine. I have a very certain specific routine over every single putt. When I'm there in the morning, before I go to the range, I would not do my routine. I'm just rolling the ball, getting a feel for that putter, staying nice and smooth and watching that ball roll and just trying to pick up, are there any nuances that happened overnight? And, and you know, how does that club feel in my hand today? And things like that. How about practice drills? So even if you're not playing that day, you don't have 18 scheduled, what would you do in terms of practice? The best one, and we've talked about this on the show before, Danny, and I'm going to bring it up again because it is the one that gets done the most often by the best players in the world and it's the simplest and it's called the clock drill so you get three or four balls and you put them around um, around the hole so a tour player is going to start at three feet i would recommend the amateur player starting at two feet good four golf balls put it two feet around the hole at all four locations kind of like a compass north south east and west around that hole and then you got to stand up there and knock all four of those balls in 
and then go to three feet and then knock all four of those balls in. And now this, with this drill, Danny, I'm doing my routine to the letter of the routine. Timing-wise, I'm going through. My my routine is easy. I get comfortable over the ball. I look up. I take a practice stroke. I look back at the hole. Putter behind the ball, fire. My routine takes probably about 10 or 11 seconds. It's measured. It's extremely important to be on time for me doing this. And then after you make the four putts from three feet, go to four feet and you knock all those in and then the drill is over. But, and this is the biggest reason why this is such an important and a good drill for your putting is that anywhere along the line, you miss a putt, you start over from two feet. And this is what happens, Danny. Put a little pressure. Right. And it helps your concentration. And guess what? You think, oh, this is nothing. All I have to do. So you're telling me, Delsing, I've just got to make 12 putts in a row from four feet in. And I'm saying exactly. And all of a sudden, that four feet, that four footer, Danny, can look like a ten footer after you've missed a couple, and you got to start over. And don't take shortcuts. Don't go, wow, that one didn't count because my phone went off or See, my wife me. called me. Yeah, don't do that, man. <laughs> Get back in there, and it puts pressure on you, and it's it's a concentration drill as well. Where is the ball in relation to your body? So we're right-handed golfers. We'll say that. So your feet, you want to get comfortable, and I'd say somewhere around shoulder width apart. With putting, they don't have to necessarily be that quite that wide, but probably no wider than that. We want the ball towards the frontish part of your stance. So definitely in front of middle. We don't middle is too far back. The most important thing component is your hand position as it relates to where the ball is in your stance. We want your hand position somewhere around the front edge of the ball. But what we don't want, Danny, is your hands behind the ball. It's a kiss of death. It'll put too much loft on your putter, and we're going to talk about that a little bit with the great Scotty Cameron and the putters that he makes in our innovation segment. But we need to have your hands in that same spot so that when you swing that putter head through, it's coming through with consistent amount of loft and giving you that solid strike. As we wrap up this portion of the tip segment, a little forward press and then the pendulum Yes. Talk a little bit about that. So a lot of guys think of it, and, and this is just a thought to help you stay smooth, right? But a pendulum motion, if you think of a, a steel cable that's got a heavy ball on the bottom of it, and it's held at a fulcrum, which is a steady part uh, where the ball swings from, and you just gently rock that ball down. When you start that swing, there's momentum there. So the ball goes back, it get, reaches its high point, and then it starts swinging the other way, and there's just momentum in there. If you can feel the head of the putter, and this is really important, feel the head of the putter in that pendulum-type motion, you got it. And then you get to your backswing, and there's just this momentum, Danny. You just let the head of the putter fall. The ball gets in the way, and it's magical. That feeling is magical. If anybody is talking about golf, they're always talking about a Scotty Cameron. So we're going to get into that innovation segment coming up. Our theme this week is putting, and this is Beyond the Fairways, presented by Darty Business Solutions. The world of golf is ever-evolving. It's time for Equipment and Innovations in Golf on Beyond the Fairways. Innovations in golf on Beyond the Fairways presented by Darty Business Solutions and our theme is putting. We had Brad Faxon on talking about what he goes through in pre-putt routines and why he's been successful. Jay has talked about drills. Let's talk about equipment. The Scotty. Anybody that's heard uh, the, about putting in the game of golf 
it's always going back with a putter, and it's the Scotty. It's it's so true. So Scotty Cameron is this guy that grew up kind of a nerdy sort of guy, really a good guy, but just got into this guy, look short guy, glasses. Have you met, have like, you met him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Looks like the kind of guy that when he was younger might have been picked on a little bit. He said to me, I always just wanted to make putters as a kid. That's great. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> but anyway, so he basically took putting to a different level. The, the science kid, of it, I guess. The science of it. And I have to give a shout out to the Karsten uh, Solheim company, too, because they have been making great putters forever. They really have. And they actually created many of the styles that Scotty kind of copies and, and goes from. So got to give a shout out to Carson because a ping putter is a damn good putter with super high quality. Now, Scotty has taken it to a different level. These putters are milled, Danny, out of blocks of steel, laser focused, and, and they come out with all sorts of specifications for the tour player. And he started making putters only for tour players. And there's little logos and little fun, little gimmicky things that he ingeniously put on these putters. Titleist purchased his company, Danny, probably 15, 20 years ago for like $15 million. Wow. Okay. And so Scotty has done extremely well, but these putters now have created their own lure. They're legendary stories. I mean, Tiger Woods putts with a Scotty. They just sold his backup Scotty for a million dollars. Wow. I mean, so so what he does is, and a lot of people didn't know this, Danny, but a putter actually is not a dead, perfectly straight face. There's four degrees of loft on a standard Scotty Cameron putter, and most of the ping putters as well. Four degrees of loft has scientifically been proven to be the perfect amount because you don't want your ball to, you want your ball to come up in the air ever so slightly and then start rolling uh, straightly thereafter. You don't want it beaten into the ground. And if there's not a little bit of loft on it, Danny, that ball kind of gets pushed into the ground. You can imagine your stroke. So it needs to be lifted in the air a little bit. And Scotty was the first guy to go, this has exactly four degrees loft on it. Now, Danny, when I was playing all the time, I had two Scotties. They were identical, except one had four degrees loft and the other had four and a half degrees loft because when you got to slower greens, you needed a little more loft. Think about this. The blades are grass. Or, this is how specific. It's amazing, the, yeah. You, you know, this, this, this science had become. But the blades of grass are a tiny bit longer, D. And so you need a tiny bit more loft to get that ball up in the air and rolling on your line. And a lot of players would have Scotty make him identical putter, but maybe three grams heavier in the head so that it, you, you just had a little more feel on those heavier greens. And, and on a faster green, we'd do a little lighter putter. I've seen your putter. And it's got that weighted tape all over the place. So you've been using that that flat stick for a long time. I have. That thing has been – I have dragged that thing behind the cart. <laughs> I, that thing is slightly aerodynamic. It has been in the air a few times, and it's – I just like looking down at it. Yeah. it it's, it's, been, it's, it's been with me. Yeah, it's been with me for a while. But it's just amazing when you think about what Scotty did. He, he created these head covers, Danny, with all these fun little sayings on it. So, so now the, the golfing public has seen those. And well, I didn't know those things were valuable. Each one of those putter covers is worth somewhere between $300 and $1,000. And, Danny, back in the day, the Velcro would wear out on them. 
And so it would be a pain in the butt. It would always fall off the butter. My caddy was bitching about it. So I would, when that would wear out, I would just give it to a kid. And these kids were like, thanks so much. And I'm like, God, oh, no big deal. I'm like, I guess they want a putter card. I didn't know they were worth so much money. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. It's really fun. To, to hear how you're talking about four to four and a half, and depending on the blade of the grass and how it's rolling that day on a putting green, I, I just find that amazing. And Scotty Cameron obviously has mastered the art of the engineering of this particular putter, and, and people absolutely love it. The thing that he did, Danny, that was so ingenious is that he made these putters for tour players only. So he created a market. And so there's a, there's a, it's called a circle T and every one of his putters that he makes for a tour player somewhere on that putter, there's this T with a little circle around it. And it means for tour players only. And when you have a mark on that, the putter you have is worth thousands of dollars. The PGA Championship, it is this week, Rochester, New York, and they'll be playing at Oak Hill Country Club, 105th PGA Championship. And our picks of the week, they're coming up. This is Beyond the Fairways, presented by Darty Business Solutions. Darty Business Solutions, our title sponsor, is a leader in our community in so many areas. Do they have over 2,500 teammates in over 30 states and three countries? Yes, they do. Are they the largest IT consultant firm in our area? Yes, they are. Are they the largest software developer in the region? Yes, they are. But here are a few more important things to know about Darty Business Solutions. They were the presenting sponsor of the Ascension Charity Classic. This is a community game changer. First of all, it builds diversity in the IT workforce. Hundreds of mostly African-American women are getting fifty dollars to $60,000 a year jobs right out of high school. That's right, right out of high school. Ron Darty, company founder, chaired the 2023 Heartball, which supported the local American Heart Association chapters and raised over $600,000 in one evening. These are just a few examples of the many things that Darty Business Solutions do for our community. Darty Business Solutions. Where do we find the best golfers in the world this week? It's time for the Picks segment on Beyond the Fairways. Picks of the Week on Beyond the Fairways presented by Darty Business Solutions. And again, it's a major 105th PGA Championship, Oak Hill Country Club, Rochester, New York. I know you're going to find this shocking, Jay, but um, along with the rest of the world, I'm going with John Rahm as my favorite. Well, he is just a dominant force, yep. and he is playing with supreme confidence right now. He's probably the prohibitive favorite this week. And it's always fun because they're not less pipe cinches, you know, this is a tough way to go. I'm going to go with Scotty Scheffler. This is not a big reach either, but Scotty has won the masters and I'm looking for him to contend in another major championship. And Danny, we got to tell our listeners if, if this is the first time you're joining us, We've been hot. We've been real hot. We've made some people some money. I've actually heard from people that have used our picks and made a little money. So we're we're glad that they've done that. My dark horse is Xander Shoffley. Now, that's not really a dark horse, and I know he's a huge name on the PGA Tour. I was doing some numbers with this. In the PGA Championship, he's got the lowest scoring average in the last, like, three to four years with this particular tournament. So... 
ball striker. I like him, and I'm going to go with maybe some recent history, and he he's able to win this championship. Yeah, Danny, he is in this elite group that's ready to take that exactly. next step to win that major, along with Patrick Cantlay. I believe Victor Hovland is is slowly creeping up on that. You need a ball striker. You need a guy that's had 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 some scars and some war wounds, so to speak. And and Xander's that guy. He he is really good. I picked Jason Day last week, Ooh, and, he he, and we we money, hammered him absolutely, this guy right absolutely. Here. <laughs> I love it. And and so I'm going to go with Jason as my as my dark horse. I picked him ahead of time as well. You're you're going to have to hit the golf ball well, Danny, but this show is based on putting. You gotta roll your rock. Jason Day rolls that ball beautifully. I love wanna talk about a pre-shot routine. Watch his pre-shot routine. He does the exact same thing every single time, and it's impressive. So these aren't big, big dark horse picks like we've had in sure. the past. In the past, but it's a major championship. It's the PGA, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Now, because of that, I also was thinking Kepka, just because he puts so much of a premium on winning uh, majors, and the, the Masters was you know within his grasp, and then Dustin Johnson won on the Live Tour. Uh, last weekend, and so DJ will be in this. You know, it's it's hard to overlook some of these these live players that'll be playing in these major championships. I agree. I agree. I'd be lying to you if I said I wanted them to win, yeah, just sure. because of what's happening. But they're great players, and Kepka has said many times over, Danny. Very interesting. He believes the majors are easier to win than a regular tour event because there's so many of the of the tour players that are kind of psyched out because of the golf course and the golf history of the major championship so and obviously Kepka nearly winning the Masters in April is definitely a force to be re- reckoned with but a guy like Corey Connor now this is a dark horse guy folks you want to throw a couple bucks some way try somebody like Corey Connor or Victor Hovland great ball hitters guys that don't have a lot of pressure on themselves coming into this week right they're going to fly more under the radar Andy North, I thought it was great when we visited with him and he said, I knew walking into a locker room that I had half the field because these guys were already intimidated by the rough at the U.S. Open or the greens were rolling so fast. And these guys, he said, would be complaining about it. And he said, once I heard that, I knew I had half the field. They were done. Oh, Danny. I got to tell you, my the first couple of majors I played in, I was that guy. I'm like, what am I going to do when I get in the rough? And as soon as I hit it in the rough, it was just this – dread you know because it was so penal instead of saying i know i'm gonna hit it in the rough don't worry about it let's go figure out a way to 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 shoot some scores and once i was able to do that it was a little better but my record in the majors were was awful and i didn't (laughs) i didn't i i didn't play well in the majors and my game just wasn't up this was awesome to visit with brad faxon and hey if you got a friend out there that loves the game of golf and needs help with putting or just needs help with their game, tell them to listen to this interview because Brad Faxon really broke it down. And again, we're talking about one of the greatest putters in the history of the PGA Tour. And so to get kind of a lesson from him, what he thinks about physically, certainly the mental side of putting, that was awesome. So this has been a great show. Danny, I put out on a tweet, I think you and I put it out together, that we've got a putting lesson you know, on the air from Brad Faxon. And we got all of these floods of, I want a lesson from Brad Faxon. <laughs> I want him like, me too, man. So, yeah, it's real, really fun, really special. It's, it's neat to get a glimpse kind of behind the curtain of what 
one of the best putters of all time does and how he sees it. My man, great show. Always fun to do this. Beyond the Fairways, wherever you get your podcast, download us and make sure you subscribe to Beyond the Fairways. A lot of fun, Jaybird. Danny, thanks for being with me. I love doing it with you and can't wait to do it next week. So Beyond the Fairways, presented by Doherty Business Solutions. Our thanks to Brad Faxon, Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and we'll talk to you next week.